to Nick Flanagan Weekly. This is Nick. I can't really hear myself in the monitors, but I'm going to see what happens. The monitors, the headphones. Look, hi. Thank you for listening. This is a podcast I do four times a week. I am a comedian and a writer and actor, and I am, I've had a lot of, uh, I've had a tough year. And this podcast has been bringing me back into a nice year. And I just got back from Montreal. I took the train all day. I was trying to edit this in time. Of course, that didn't work out. But I am getting it in tonight on this Tuesday night. And it's the part two of my Scott Thompson interview. Part one was super fun. Uh, People are saying nice things to me about it. Part two has all kinds of crazy stuff. Lots of discussion of Scott's various crises, which have been really serious. And discussion of social norms issues and a, a show and tell at the end where he he gets into a lot of discussion of toronto um gay nightclubs in the 1980s and it's uh, a really that's a really cool part but we also talk about confederacy confederacy <laughs> confederacy of dunces some really good books and if you listen to it yesterday you know this is probably a must listen as well um and if you enjoy it, please write weeklypodcast at gmail.com, W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. And be sure to check out Scott's album, Not a Fan, and his book, Buddy Babylon, which was just re-released, and also his uh, band, Mouth Congress, with Paul Bellini, which their stuff is only going to be up on Bandcamp for another month or so. So be sure to go on Bandcamp and listen to it. Um, I think it's mouthcongress.bandcamp.com. And as for me, if you like the podcast, uh, leaving a review and subscribing, rating it, that really helps on iTunes, as many podcasts have told you before. And financially, you can go to Bandcamp, nickfunnigan.bandcamp.com, and buy my album at whatever price you please. It's called Wiped Privilege. It's a stand-up comedy album. I'm proud of it. And I'm proud of you for listening. Here's part two of the Scott Thompson interview. Um, uh, I, I, I still have more stuff to talk to you about. You still got, yeah, 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 sure. Um, we were, uh, where, what was the thing? I, I feel like we, we were right about to get into something about, the, well, the contrarianness is something where do you worry about contrarian yourself? Because I've seen this yeah. in, in, in the public eye and, and, and I recognize, uh, that you're a good person and, and the, the quote unquote tilting at, at windows Windows. Uh, wind- <laughs> like windows. Tilting your shades yeah. when you see a window. Ooh, that's, a nice, know, that's a nice stained glass window yeah. over there. Is, uh, I can see my reflection. <laughs> I have a reflection. I'm Buddy might be a vampire. I'm not a vampire. But, um, you know, uh, I, I, I've seen right now, especially on the left and the right, actually, um, people kind of contrarianing themselves into these corners where yeah, then you're suddenly Gavin McInnes and you've got a sword. Yeah, you're right. You know, and you're reacting. He has, he has backed himself into a corner. He's screwed. He started out as a comedian. Kind of. And I mean, now he's like this warrior with a sword and he's yeah, got a, like, like, responsible for beatdowns. Now know? he has to like, die by the sword. It's I mean, he's kind of fast. putting himself in that position. Yeah, he has. And, yes. and, 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 you know, I mean, I know I said Jordan... Peterson, you know, to some extent, I think he's in, in that box. I know you, you, you're, you have a more. Are you saying that, I, that you're right? You're right about contrarian. Like, I mean, because I, I don't think I'm a contrarian just for the sake of it. Uh-huh. Like, I really do think that I look at things from all the sides. Okay. And that, uh, but 
you know, also does there come a time in your life when you're like, you're too old to be a contrarian and then it just becomes a crankian? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like so I you think you don't want to be a cranky? Mm -hmm. No, I don't want to be a cranky guy. I also think no. sometimes we say things to be funny that are shocking. Oh, and, absolutely. And sometimes we put forth ideas, uh, you know, as comedians more so, like it's not the same as a Sam Harris thought experiment. It's not the same as a thought experiment. It's like you're putting something out there because like Bill Burr mm -hmm. tends to come out with these sort of wild theory jokes and the joke kind of becomes by the end of it that he's pushed it to a ridiculous yeah. level. You know? Well, I think comedians like to just throw something in like a bomb and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that, I think that's part of why we're here, what we're supposed to be doing. I, I think I think it's just that the idea of speaking truth to power and, and that kind of thing is, is, uh, is so becoming so ingrained in... Um, what you got there? I don't know. We'll see what's playing next. One hour of emotional piano music. Oh. <laughs> what, kind, what emotion is this? Uh, I guess walking on glass. <laughs> Your feet getting cut as you walk is that an emotion? on glass. I mean, that's the emotion. Trepidation? Would that be trepidation? Fear? Trepidation, yeah. Trepidation. You need to ask... Uh, your uh, school marm, if you can go to the bathroom yeah. to masturbate. <laughs> That's what this emotion is. Yes. Yeah. Your school marm. And, and she said yes. She said yes. yes. This is yeah. the part where she says yes. Uh, but yeah, um, the, the contr I, I, I think that, but, but you're, uh, as you said, kind of like going for something that's a bit intangible. And frankly, maybe not being monetarily uh, no, driven uh, like like <laughs> Americans or like uh, your average American or, or some Canadians you know it is it, it, I think it puts you in a bit of a, a luckily uh, a pure space mm -hmm. you know but I'd like to make some money now well me too yeah yeah like, I don't know for those kinds of guys yeah, I'd like to make some real coin yeah well I mean I not happy like, even though the show's doing very well I'm not making real coin yeah well which show the buddy show yeah. the touring it's I'm still living like a middle class person, and I. <laughs> you I, want to go upper? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I want to be wealthy. The Canadian dream. I'd like to be wealthy now, yeah. and also I'm. Well, you've probably had ups and downs. I have. Right? When the kids in the hall were, you know, when we were on top of the world, we were making a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of money. But you own a home in Toronto. I do. Well, I'm I mean, not. I'm yeah. not poor or anything, and I have, not poor. I'm not poor, but I'm not wealthy. Not wealthy. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm literally middle class. That sounds just about right. But it doesn't. No, I shouldn't be middle class. I should be rich. I want you to be rich. I want to but be rich. I retain. Also, because I want to be rich now, because I, I only want you to be rich so you can live. When I'm when old, you're older. I don't. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. That's all I want now. When I'm an old man, I, I want to have money. Yeah, that's that's basically. But it. don't you want those like GoFundMe's? Like me and the guys and the gals will go. Oh, Scott needs. <laughs> we, have so to, we have to pay for Scott's kidney stones oh, to be removed. Man. Man, I so, I'm so sad when Everyone's going to give you money. And, and I bet I could get money. And the thing is, the way to get rich is you don't have these medical problems, but we say you do. That's true. And then you keep them. Well, I've had so many medical problems. I, don't, I think I'm now in the clear. Yeah. I think I'm going to have like years of, being, of great health. I think so. I, I really think do. You're aging amazingly. I, I'm, I'm doing yeah. okay, actually. You're doing just fine. I'm doing okay. And I think that that's the most important thing. That's why you blend into that L.A. scene, which is so age-conscious. Oh, I love If you have any idea that I'm literally twice their age. 
Yeah. Like everyone. At least. My mother is here, by the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely closer to your mother's age than you, probably. Yeah, I think so. I, I think. But, you know, I definitely think that what keeps me young is, is, my, is my career flatlining for so <laughs> long. Well, it's probably the resilience. Yeah, that, I think so. It's certainly not about like it's not my skin uh, regime. What's your skin regime? Nothing. <laughs> Water. No, I, I put um, uh, sunscreen on every day. Well, that's good. I never was doing even that here. Either. That's smart. Even today, I put sunscreen on. Seventy. Seventy. Is that the age? No, seventy <laughs> SPF. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Just. I never want to look older than seventy. Yeah, me, I mean, me neither. Even when I'm 90, like even when I was 20, I think I've always looked 40. Like yeah. when I was 20, I looked 40, and now I, I don't look 40 anymore, but I don't look, you don't, don't look, look my age. far from, like you look maybe at 1967, 40. You know what I'm that saying? That would be excellent. Yeah. I can say that. I can say I was born in 1967. Let's I'm do a it. baby. <laughs> yes. Hello there. Hi. Hi. Hi, it's my mom. Nice to meet mom, you, Mom. This is Eleanor, this is Scott. Hello, Eleanor. Walking into the middle of the production. Yeah. yeah well, well thank you for having, us, having your, let, use your home. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, it's lovely. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Very nice. Yeah. Well, it's nice having you. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, talked about this. I remember I had a very nice party in LA back when I was living there. Mm -hmm. You came you to the party. I did, yeah, you did have a nice party. <laughs> and uh, you, that was when I learned about this, this shooting you were in, yeah. which I think you've probably talked about a bit on podcasts. Sure I have, stuff, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, but I, I still think it's, it's such a unusual thing for people to hear that I don't think it sinks in all the time. No, I don't think it does. I think the first time people hear it, they just go, I didn't hear that. Well, I mean, you talk about having trauma in your life, so you have the AIDS crisis, yeah. you have coming out, its own thing. Just being you know, a gay man those times was enough, yeah. The brother, your brother. Mm -hmm. Commit suicide. Cancer. Cancer, encephalitis. Is that the, what is it? Brain disease. Oh my God. Yeah. When was that? That was in, right after the shooting, six months later. Jesus Christ. Yeah, 17. Was that in, in Canada? Mm -hmm. God. Yeah. And then it all started this wild ride of, yeah. of, of difficult experiences. Well, I found a dead guy, I found a dead body in a swamp. There was this one period when every, every three months there'd be a trauma. When, so that was in that same encephalitis yeah, that period? period yeah. Do you think the body gave you encephalitis? No, I think that the shooting triggered, I think the shooting in many ways gave, made me ill. That totally yeah. makes sense. In, in fact, I, and I, you know, I'm going to be doing a, I'm going to be starting a podcast myself when I, I go back. I am so happy. Earwolf wants me to do a podcast. Great. We're awesome. calling it PTSD, but, <laughs> and it's going to be basically dealing with trauma. And I'm going to talk about I talk about trauma on this Oh, a good, because that's yeah. the thing, because I'm, I'm obsessed with the fact that, like, why I had cancer, I couldn't quite figure it out, because my family, I, I got it at 49, and um, my family is not a cancer people you know mm -hmm. every family has their trauma not their trauma their disease right it was you know heart disease or whatever and we're not we're heart disease people mm -hmm. but I don't have any of that um, but I had cancer and I think it's trauma I think that's the missing thing mm -hmm. to me and my other brothers and I had more trauma and I believe that um, the shooting in some ways was one of the things that I never really dealt with it no one really dealt with it I think that it affected me it, it changed me cellularly I think in mm -hmm. a way. And I think I spent my whole life chasing it in a way mm -hmm. because there's something about that kind of event 
that is so horrible, but also so wonderful when you when you make it. Wow. Right? It's like that movie Fearless with Jeff Bridges that I never saw. That's exactly it. Where he is in the plane. And he keeps and trying to chase chasing it. Yeah. Yes, it's exactly it. Because those are the windmills, my friend. Yes, because it's true. And even when I started to really think about it, I've been writing about it for many, many years. Right. But the more I write about it, the more certain things come back to me that I, I've pushed away. Yeah. And one of the things that I had to confront was that when it began and I was in the hallway uh -huh. going to class and it began and I heard the popping, which was the guns, which I didn't know was guns, rather than turn around and run like everybody else did, uh -huh. I kept moving forward. Oh. Even though I knew a part of me that it was terrible, but I thought, if it's terrible, I don't want to miss it. <laughs> I was so naive at the time. I was like a little girl in My American Cousin. You ever seen that movie? I haven't. Because she has this beautiful line about nothing ever happens. I want something to happen. Sure, yeah. And then when something does happen, quite often it's not what you really want. No, you realize uh, you're better off. You're better off in a very in, pragmatic Canadian take on, yes. on, on things. It's yes, just, and you know, I don't I, try doing any, don't go chasing waterfalls. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so there was a part of me that knew that what was happening happening was serious uh -huh. but the other part of me was like wow this is exciting I yeah. gotta move forward and I kept thinking about like Narnia yeah and, like Edmund like Edmund knew that he shouldn't have gone towards the witch uh -huh. but he just kept going towards the witch wow do you know what I mean and then I remember I'm trying to make it comic now when I talk about it because I talk about hearing the bullets the, the gunshots mm -hmm. and people running by me and knowing that it was bad, but a part of my brain going, oh, maybe it's a shop accident. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Got to see this. It's a shop accident. And I remember keep moving. And then I remember being alone in the hallway uh -huh. and seeing blood on the floor and going and the part of my brain going, oh, well, that's blood. That must have been a really bad shop accident. Wow. Still continuing. And then I heard screaming and more gunshots, and then I smelled the gunpowder. Uh -huh. And that's when my body must have said, this is serious. And I remember freezing, uh -huh. and, I, and that I kept hearing bang, bang around the corner, like literally like feet away from me, just uh -huh. on the turn that was like an H, right? And there's an H, and I was at this part of the H, mm -hmm. and he would have been over here, on the bridge between the two, whatever, sticks of the H, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And I remember going, he's right, whatever is happening is right over there. And a teacher saved my life because he opened the door and he said, get the fuck in here. <laughs> and it was, my joke was that, oh, he said fuck, he yeah. must be serious. Because <laughs> right. a teacher to say fuck in the 70s <laughs> was huge. So this was 1971? 75. 1975. 1975, May 28th, 38. A shooting in Brampton, Ontario. I mm -hmm. mean, I felt... The boy that sat behind me, a kid that lived on my street that I knew my whole life. Wow. And he was uh, troubled? Well, uh, troubled? I don't know. I mean, he was quiet. Mm -hmm. um, he, he was kind of a tough kid. He mm -hmm. had a rock band. They rehearsed in their, in their garage. He had a band? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. He had like a, a garage band. He was short. He was very good looking. He was a very quiet kid. I wouldn't say he was troubled. I what, would did, say, what, did you ever... He was never a friend of mine. But did anyone come to realize what set him off? No. Because in those days, people didn't pry the same way they did today. I mean, in, in, I feel like in Canada, they still don't totally pry. No, they don't. You know. 
They, they really don't. We keep it under. You yes, know? we do. I mean, still nobody is really facing up to why that guy did the shooting in uh, yeah. in, in the East End this in, in the, the year. Or the guy with the car who yeah. did that also earlier this year. So there's very Alec much, a, it's a real Canadian impulse to just bury it and move on. Whereas Americans love the narrative. They wallow they in it. They love the narrative. Yes. Well, obviously to a destructive extent, yes. I would say. But in ca Canadians, they don't, even if you have a great narrative, a great story mm -hmm. in the States, they go crazy for that. Here they go, nah, I'm not interested in Well, that. the original thing with the Alec Manassian guy was, Which you one's know, he? the car, uh, the guy who the drove van the car through people with the rider van. The incel guy. Well, yeah, that was it, was, was that immediately, you know, especially Americans ran with this where they said, see, this is like a weaponized loser or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, part of this misogynist uh, underbelly of, mm -hmm. of the internet, which is real. Real, but, yeah. But, uh... And then, after the first month, it kind of seemed yeah. like it wasn't really a story. That part of the well, story was Well, in our shoot, this is a long you know? time ago, there was an inquest, a lame inquest, mm -hmm. and they basically came to no conclusions. Mm -hmm. His grandfather had died um, about six months before, which isn't enough to send someone off the deep end. I mean, mm -hmm. your grandparents are supposed to die. Unless you it know. was like that movie Hereditary and there was some sort of satanic... Oh, like some sort of a curse or something? Yeah, you know. That's possible. You know why Spoiler I say that's possible? I know we're joking. Yeah. But they lived next door to the other tragedy in our school that had happened the year before. Oh. Where three kids had died in a fire. Wow. So there's something to be said for my little street being cursed. And at the time, this is probably not correct to say, but there was a lot of talk at the time that <laughs> my street... Was on an Indian burial ground. Right, so it's revenge. Yes, for genocide. Because too much happened in this one little corner of this of the town, and it didn't make any sense how this could all come from one block of like twenty houses. The two tragedies of the school. Wow. And like, and he even shot a boy across the street from him. So there was this little. I mean, we were a very tiny street. How old? What grade were you in? Ten. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so, but you know, but what I was, it's interesting about the fearless thing is that I think in many ways it was like my whole life has been like chasing that excitement about survival. Yeah. And you get so high when you survive. Right. Right? Yeah. When you, when you climb a mountain or you come out publicly, <laughs> right? <laughs> or you wag your cock in Margaret Atwood's face or <laughs> things like that. And you're like, wow, I got out of that by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> And there's something, it's a kind of like a high wire act. Right. And it's probably not healthy. And I know it's not healthy. And I'm trying very hard in this part of my life to just let go of it yeah. and, and, and take what I had and make it fodder for art. Two last things. Okay. But the second thing is going to take a while, but it's okay. going to be worth it. Um, the first thing is, what do you think of the legal marijuana? Oh, well, I mean, obviously it's the right thing to do. I, mean, I think it obviously had to happen. I think they're, you know, they're making it, I think in many ways we're going to miss the days of it being illegal, uh -huh. but not, I think what right. we've had the last few years has been the perfect, perfect um, way it should be. That's the best case scenario for all that kind of stuff. Decriminalized, like, but not fully legal. Like, you no don't one gets really, arrested for yeah, it, it just happens. That's right. And that's know? where it should, I think it should have stayed. because well, it doesn't get advertised that way. Yes. Or it's advertised in like counterculture. Yes, you know? but now that it's been completely co-opted by the government and big business, 
And I, we see it in, in California. Uh-huh. Now all the jars, because of children, they, they're all like child-proof, oh, God. right? And in order to open it, you've got to put your fingers in a special place and right. then get the inner lip and the outer yeah. lip and pull it apart. Yeah. And it's so commodified and yes. so capitalized. Yeah. It, it is taking the illicitness out of it and, and killing... It can't kill the effects of marijuana. I mean, I've smoked marijuana my whole life. And do you believe it has a uh, healthy... Uh, uh, like, you know when oh, people I talk think, about I, I think that they were completely exaggerating that for I think years. that that's a big issue now is you're going to have all of this sort of snake oil equivalents, uh, you know, of being like... Do you want to try weed without the weed? It's going to make you uh, more calm, but you won't get high. And it's like, like the CBD oil and all that? I mean, I, I, I think there's some value to CBD oil, but it has to do with the placebo effect being I agree. such an incredible like thing. I think about <laughs> marijuana, like I go like, you know, have I used marijuana my whole life to fight my PTSD? Okay, well, well, I think to fight, to deal with mental stuff, it's possible. You know, it's like it's possible. that's a different kind of health that it's helping. Yes. But I, but I, I do, I, I, I think, you know, again, it's kind of a roll of the dice whether it's gonna, you know, get you more PTSD or, or less. You yeah. Know, just because of our reaction. Well, I definitely think there have been p- times in my life when I've overdone it. Yeah. I know during that p- very terrible period of my life between like the late '90s, uh-huh. early 2000s, when I was just literally in free fall for yeah. years, I definitely smoked too much. Yeah. I definitely smoke too much. Yeah. And I know I've taken long periods where I quit and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And But I do think to myself, I've never been a big boozer. Mm-hmm. I've never been a big boozer. Yeah. I think it's probably because I'm just too vain. <laughs> I really think that's You've what seen it the is. results of yeah. too much booze. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, marijuana, like, I think it obviously, my, you know, when it comes right down to I think human beings have a right to put whatever they want into their body. And as a gay man who's, who, as a young person, was a criminal. I mean, homosexuality yeah. was a criminal. Of course, I believe if you have a right to put a cock in your ass, then you have a right to put a bong, you know, a joint in, in your ass, smoke in your in your ass, <laughs> yeah, right, or your lungs. So I do think you, I do think it is, it is a civil rights issue, and if something grows, then obviously you should be able to smoke it or eat it or whatever, make tea out of it or whatever. What if it's a Cabbage Patch Kid, a living human? Oh, a Cabbage Patch Child. <laughs> You, eat, you don't smoke them, you but you eat them. You yeah. eat them. Okay, you can eat a Cabbage Patch Kid. I think you can eat a Cabbage Patch Kid. I mean, I think eventually <laughs> they'll probably have to legalize all drugs. I really hope so. And I think it does I, make I sense. believe in decriminalization. I do. And I believe in, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think... I, I, These are public health issues. They're not criminal issues. And they're things that are such scourges that we have to say, well, what will work? Like, my whole thing, moral-wise, is just like, how can we stop people from dying most of the time, you know, like that's... And how can we help people live a better life? Yes. Live the life that they should have, and that we have such a short period of time on this planet. And, um, you know, like, and so much of like marijuana laws and that, they're they're, they're racially skewed, they're, you know, because it was black people smoke pot and that sort of thing. So, you know, and also because the, the, um, the booze companies wanted to keep, you know, they didn't want marijuana because they, you know, they needed the money from all the right. booze, etc. It's a competing intoxicant. Yeah. yeah, and that, but you know, now it will all be about money. But it's true, like the marketplace in a capitalistic society is going to decide. Like Louis C.K.'s comeback, that will be decided by capitalism. Libertarian gay man. Who me? 
Don't you call me? Well, I, I'm not saying, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I don't no, want to. I don't think of you even as Well, I, I do have some libertarian views, I, I think. I think so. But Absolutely. I, I, I think that you, that, that uh, I think ultimately you're a person who's driven by empathy, so. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I am, yes. And I, I think li libertarianism uh, has that kind of hardline uh, issue sometimes yeah. uh, with some of its advocates of just where it's like, uh, you know. Empathy is sort of secondary to the individuals, and for me, yeah. I can't help empath empathizing with people, yeah. regardless. It's just something I have. It's like a, an X Men, <laughs> and I just so I even if I want to be hardline, right? I still will like. Oh, I'm not going to take on that accent. And then when I you're talking, when you're talking to someone, it's like it feels like you're in their brain and heart sometimes. Yeah, so I, so, so, so I yeah. do feel very much like I, I tr really do try to understand everyone's points of view. But there are times when I just go back off and that may be the, the libertarian part of me. Like, leave me alone! Last yeah. thing. You, you've got a doll. I was gonna, Is that a I, minion? I do a little show and tell. Okay. And I just wanted to show you things and just get your reaction okay. to these, these things because, you know, my house is kind of a treasure trove it is. of cool stuff. And, uh, so this is a banana in pajamas, actually. Okay. Do you know anything about these? No. What does it evoke? For well, you? it makes me think of the boy in the in the in the blue striped pajamas. That okay. great story. Do you know that great story <laughs> yeah. with the little the in the yeah the Nazi, the Nazi story. Kid. Yeah. And then he the boy wants to escape for a day, and he puts his pajamas on. Yeah. And then the little German. Oh, they yes, trade. They trade. And, and then he dies. The trade kid dies. Yeah. I knew it. Have you not read that book? No. I've read it's Night. A, oh, I've read Weisel. Yeah, I've read Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, yeah, this is a, my favorite Holocaust. I once, Weisel. when I was a child, no one believes me when I tell them this, but I once had a uh, choose your own adventure book set in the Lodge ghetto. <laughs> I swear to God. Are you sure you're, you're fantasizing about this or you dreamt about I it? I read it at the cottage. Have you found this book ever? No, and isn't I, it maybe like the Thunderbird photo? You know what that is? No. These things that people think they're oh, going, the, the Berenstein Bears. Yeah, the it Mandela used to be AIN. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's in a Mandela effect that maybe it didn't happen? Or maybe it didn't happen. The Thunderbird photo is that picture of a, a pterodactyl mm -hmm. that's been captured. It's stretched out and nailed to a barn, and it was supposedly in Argosy magazine in like nineteen. 50 something or whatever. No. And I know I've seen that picture. Wow, but it's. I, but it you know, can't be true. Shazam, that's the other one, the Sinbad movie, Shazam. What's that? Everyone thinks that there was a movie with starring Sinbad as like a genie and it was called Shazam. There was. No, that's Kazam with Shaq. That's what I don't understand. It's like, it's just like people are making a mistake there. It's Kazam. But, but yes. anyways, so he's smiling. It's just, this isn't the this isn't the banana splits, is it? No. Do you remember the banana splits? The You're band? too young. The banana splits was like a a, a Sid and Marty Croft production oh, from the seventies. Yeah. Um, there was um, uh, the first one was H.R. Puffin stuff. Yes, I know the that. The same people that did H.R. Yeah, Puffin yeah, stuff. Yeah. Land of Lost. Yeah, Land of Lost. H.R. Puffin stuff. The and Richard the banana Pryor, splits. Pryor's kids. And and Billy Wa Billy. Um, Wild played Witchy Poo. Who's Billy Wild? Billy Wild was a man who played Witchy Poo in H.R. Puffin stuff. <laughs> okay, okay. And it was with Jack Wild. Remember Jack Wild? No. He was the Artful Dodger in, Os in um, Oliver Twist. I've never seen Oliver. Oh, Oliver Twist is amazing. Oh, I should. It's the best. We'll have to go. So that's what that makes me think of. Okay. Throw that out. And a minion. I thought it was a minion. The, the next one. Now this, okay. Well, first I'll show you. This is a comic I wrote. 
called Mort. It's almost, when I was a kid, it's pretty illegible. Uh, Mort, like, dead? No, like, his name is Mort. Oh, okay. But I think it's basically a, a, um, it's a, it's a decapitated um, penis. penis. Yes, that can speak with a face. What do you think that was? What were you saying? It's pretty large. Were you saying you you have a big penis? Is your mother? <laughs> you can't say that with your mother in earshot. Just say. I'm sure your mother knows. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I found it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's That's move hilarious. On. Let's move on. You're blushing. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Move on. So no, I don't want to move on. I'm really this happy. Is, being this is here. called uh, then and That's it. We're not going to go back to that. <laughs> can bring that back here. Okay. Is this castration anxiety? Probably it's castration anxiety. Um, <laughs> but a lot of the other comics aren't by me. That's why I didn't show you those. This one's by me, though. So you're high. It's just normal. No, you are. I, I read somewhere. <laughs> you didn't. You no, that's the Mandela effect. No, you I, think you read, I read somewhere. I read on um, a, a forum, a blog post that in San Francisco. No, you did. Yeah, that as Buddy, you did an encore and you. you uh, I did come up you, naked. You flapped it out. I did. did. Yeah. I came. I came up completely naked yeah. as an encore, yeah. and I said, "I want my foreskin back," and the lights went down. <laughs> someone really. <laughs> someone wrote about that on a forum. <laughs> That's hilarious. How did I find the forum? That's a question. Because it wasn't like a comedy forum. It was like <laughs> so, specifically about. It's, so, it's what happens to this that, severed this, penis. I don't know. This is the other one. One, one. one day Jerry was running. No, these ones I didn't do. I did this one. Okay. Well, of course you did. <laughs> Inscrutable? Yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? Hey, hey there, partners. My home is. My name is Cowboy Joe. Yeah. And this is my home. A platypus hut, like a what's a platypus? Like, like a duck the subconscious hut. lack of explanation that I was talking well, about earlier. Base, a platypus uh -huh. is an, a mammal and an amphibian, right? Whoa! So you're talking about living between two two species? Yes, um, which is how I feel. There you go. You feel like a mammal. Yes. But there's a part of you that's an amphibian. Like, you know, you're worried that when you do have a child, it's, it will be an egg. <laughs> and that you might be the one who gives birth to it. You're worried that you might actually be able to impregnate yourself. <laughs> and that you might have a little spine, like an echidna or a platypus at the base of your spine, which is, you know about the platypus um, spike. No. Oh, is that what? <laughs> That's what I, and then you say, hi, I live here with my loving brother oh I don't have a brother you wanted a brother so this is a yearning for you're trying to understand who you are how you live between the margins say you don't feel you feel like a man I wouldn't say you feel like a woman I wouldn't I would never call you that <laughs> I would never say you were gender fluid oh um, too hairy you're too hairy yeah <laughs> not Scott's type yeah like you know not my type I appreciate that. Um, I think you had a yearning for a brother, right? Well, I, I, I get that. Well, I definitely have an interesting relationship with a lot of uh, men where there is sort of the big brother thing, the sort of nice, mm -hmm. but like kind of mean, you know, too. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like going, if we see it, meet each other at this party, I don't know you. 
<laughs> right. That's my older that, brother would say to me. That's a he would say to me, look, we're going to this party. I know you're going to be there, but we don't know each other. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, you still hero worship them. Yeah. Um, that's a big thing with me. It's hero worship. Uh, it always makes you said here again, I love my brother. Like right here. I love my brother. In the summer, I live on a couch in Mexico, and of course, you want to get out of this damn cold country. A ranch. A ranch. Okay. You'd like to be... Wealthy. Wealthy? Like you. You'd like to be wealthy? And by Mexico, I mean Los Angeles. Of course you do. There you go. With And, yeah. And your brother, you'd love to have your brother come visit you, and you want to live in a platypus hut. <laughs> My father was an inscrutable poet. And your father was an inscrutable poet. That's definitely... Is that like a like a line in one of your dad's poems? Platypus They probably can't see that that well, but I'll hold it up for a second. And then this is a book I thought you'd be really interested in. Denise Benson? Denise Benson wrote a book called Then and Now, Toronto Denise Benson! Oh my so they talk about a lot of clubs in here. I'm going to ask you about some of the clubs oh, that yeah. she mentioned. So it says the stories of 48 influential clubs from 1975 to 2015. Oh, I bet I went to some of these. Stages! Oh my God, Stages! Oh, 30 Young Street. That's stages. where I came out. You came out at Stages? Yeah, so that's where I used to go to dance all the time. I'm going to read the description and you can just go from there. This early 80s Young Street Club provided Toronto's gay community with a safe haven mm -hmm. and showcased cutting-edge dance music sounds before the specter of AIDS brought the party to the close. And also, it was the place where um, it was the least white club. There were a lot of black guys that went there. And so I, I also I liked that. that, yeah. Um, so, uh, what was Stages like? It was just a dance, a, a, a dance club. And also, it, it wow, 84? It must have just, I must have only been there for like a year or two, because that's when I came out. But we used to go there and dance all the time. And was that the All kind of night. It was, come on. Definitely. But it was, the, 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 you know, AIDS, you know, those were the days. Nuts and bolts, these are all the places I used that's to go That's what I'm, tell me about to. nuts and bolts. It was near Ryerson. Uh -huh. And um, it was it was like basically a lot of kids from Ryerson would go there, uh -huh. and they had a great dance floor. And I think it's where I think it's the very first place that I met Kevin and Dave and Luch. You met Luciano. Kevin and Dave at, were, and at Nets and Bolts. They were doing some sort of a show there, and they were performing. And I walked right through them. They oh, said like they remember the show. <laughs> I just went right through their show because I wanted to get to the other side. That's so. I funny. think that was nuts and bolts. It was not a gay. It was not a gay club, but it was where skinheads and punks went, and um, that's where I like to go because I was kind of a punk then. And there were some of the bars that you weren't. I wasn't allowed into. Uh huh. Why is that? Because I was a punk, and you. What went, was your punk look? Well, I had like, you know, I would shave my head or I would spike it up. Or I would sometimes glue cigarette butts to my earlobes, or I had like a cigarette butt. I had uh, no, earrings that were like cigarette butts, and then one was like a a, a bottle cap, mm -hmm. and I would wear strings of plastic pearls, uh -huh. and I would tease my hair so it was very very high, and I would wear eyeliner. I got to see a picture of this. Yeah, and I would go dancing, and they wouldn't allow. And I and I do remember very clearly. Um, being thrown out of, um, I wonder if they have, not comrades, oh, these are all, this is my life, this was... Chez moi? Chez moi, Twilight Zone, 
yeah, these are all the places I hung out. Where was where is the place that I got? I knew you'd get excited about. Oh, this I'm there. I want to get this book. Yeah, you should. I was being f Kevin and Luciano, the original kids in the hall, were walking by, and I was they they looked, and I was being thrown out of. I can't remember Chaps, I think Chaps, and I was being thrown out because I was a punk. And then as I was being thrown out, a guy walked up and he was dressed like Michael Jackson at the time. He had like a red leather jacket on. I go, you're letting this guy in and not me? <laughs> and that, and then I went and they go, oh, hi, Kevin. And they, that's how I met them. And then Kevin, and they, they remember very clearly me being thrown out. It and seems like Kevin was a very um, open guy in the Unbelievable. 80s. You know, and, and supportive. Oh. Because it sounds like he was the one who was at the most mouth congress yes. stuff. Kevin had no barriers that way and no homophobia at all. And was that present like even in subversive circles, like straight circles? Not like Kevin. No, I just mean was that around even in say the music scene? Yeah, like I mean, homophobia was pretty much, was pretty entrenched. Yeah. And the punk uh, movement was very, very homophobic. Right. Rock and roll was very, very homophobic, and comedy was very homophobic. Right. Like, even when I would do improvs, uh, like on theater sports, mm -hmm. if I would do anything remotely gay, like kiss a man or take a, uh, an improv into a gay direction, uh -huh. they would immediately zero me. As if, oh, yeah. Can you imagine that? Because they thought uh, they, they would sensationalism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When it's I was like, guess really, what? It's not sensational to me. It's pretty normal. Well, exactly. Yeah. And people say, why do you have to talk about sex all the time? Do you say that about Woody Allen movies or or Jerry Seinfeld or any other comic? Well, now we do. Of course they're talking <laughs> well. But of course they're going to talk about sex all the time. Right. But anyways, Kevin and Luch particularly, were, they, would, they would pretend to be gay lovers. Yeah. And that was considered very subversive. Like a lot of the homosexuality that the kids in the hall played with was considered subversive. They would pretend to be gay because they knew that it made men crazy. Like, it wound them up. That's funny. Whereas for me, it was just natural. But um, this is phenomenal. Let me look at the thing. So we've got Club David's, the Domino Club. Oh my god. Uh, you know these places? Domino Club, yes, it was Boots. Black Boots, oh my lord. These are, this was my life. You're literally, I gotta get this book. This is literally my life. Boots. On Sherburn's. Boots dude. was kind of a, like a leather bar. Yeah. I used to go there. I liked that a lot. The Sherburn Street Super Club went through a number of evolutions as it spurred the local mainstreaming of gay culture during the 80s and 90s. Yeah, it was above this uh, Selby Hotel. Uh -huh. and we talk about that. And, and people would sometimes stay there overnight. Uh -huh. It was a very sleazy hotel. Uh -huh. And it was a, a bit of a rougher scene, like the barn. Uh -huh. The barn was like the only like real leather bar. Uh -huh. And um, they had a back room. That was the only, time, the only place in Toronto that ever had a back room when I was young. Right. Where anything with glory holes? Yes, with glory holes and people having sex and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And those things never lasted very long because the city would shut them down. Right. But Boots lasted the longest. 19 years, says he. Yeah. 81 to I, it And I also, I was a huge dancer and I loved, I loved dancing at Boots. And I used to get, I got kicked out of the barn once for dancing so hard that I kept making the, the record skip. <laughs> because I was, one time, my friend and I, we went to the barn and we, they didn't allow women or drag queens or punks. Whoa. Yeah. So we, we decided to wear dresses, but in order to be let in, you also weren't allowed to wear running shoes. Like not, you had to have boots. You had to, you, and, and women leather. were not allowed. It was a leather guy Yeah. Bar. So we, we had boots on, but we had dresses underneath our clothes. Uh-huh. And we got inside, took our other, our outer garments off, and we let down our dresses and we were both in like, 
kind of like, how do I explain these dresses? They were like um, Ellie Mae clampet dresses. They were like country I, I gingham. I know what you mean. Big yeah. long country you girl mean dresses. It's kind of stuff. Like girl, like the kind of dresses that a woman would wear on if she's in a Mormon occult. Okay. <laughs> and we danced the whole night in dresses on, yeah. in the bar. We never got thrown out. People loved it. But we wore those dresses on Young Street one day. Uh-huh. And it was not. And people were. It was fascinating because I mean, people would Young like. Young Street was tough. Young Street was wild. Toronto. Yeah. Here's what happened in Toronto on Saturday night people cruised up and down the street like American graffiti, like the uh-huh. movie, and cruised. Yeah. And women, girls, one car would be filled with girls, another car would be filled with boys, uh-huh. and they would tease and flirt with each other in the cars. Cool. It was wild. Yeah. And Halloween, did they tell you about what happened on Halloween when the drag queens came out? I heard and about the city this, would the gather, Charles Street. Uh, the city would, Charles Street. St. Charles. St. Charles, yeah. And I remember very clearly, before St. I was out, was that the St. Name Charles Tavern. Tavern. In the yeah. Parkside. Yeah. I think. And on Youngster, I remember very clearly, this was a lesson that I learned, and the town would gather outside, mm-hmm. and the drag queens would go into the bar, and they would catcall them and throw things at I would, them. I heard about this. It's, it's absolutely true. And I remember going down there one night, and, and being closeted, yeah. and watching it, and being going, oh, this is... I can never come out. Right, yeah. And the drag queens would flounce in, and people would call them names, and throw things at them. Like tomatoes or people rocks. are so capable. Of it's unbelievable. It's so crazy. And it was consi- and it was obviously the police let it go on. It was a even Stuart Copeland. Who the police? Yeah, it was. It was, it was <laughs> even no, not Stuart Copeland. It was like a, a Toronto tradition. Isn't that crazy? <sighs> I'm no, you haven't. I know that the city's gross. I, you know, it's no, crazy. but it's, think about how much progress we've made. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. That's what I'm thinking. That's like, amazing. Yeah. No, no, look on the good side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh true. Oh, God. Okay, I, I have more stuff. Okay. Almost at, well, there's actually a lot more stuff. But I need to know. i got to get that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll show that it to you after. Is Cat Power, Power. The greatest. I saw Cat Power last week. I thought she was pretty good. Shh, I love Cat Power. Yeah, you Bruce do? Bruce McCullough's obsessed with Cat Power. Yeah. But I don't really know her that well. Sean, you know, her name is pronounced Sean. I did not But it's spelled C H A N. But it's pronounced Sean. That's an odd. It's not like the Irish spelling, like S. No, it's C H A N, I'm pretty sure, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't have a lot to say about her. I don't know her well enough. Okay. I, I think I should know her more. I think I like the show a lot. I think you might get a kick out of seeing Cat yeah. Power live. She's someone I remember Bruce saying to me, you should like Cat Power more. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, no, check her out. She's And she's had a lot of problems. I, and I see what you've got down there. You know, well, does this book mean anything to you? It's the a greatest comic novel ever. Yeah, it's a great book. And this is, um, this isn't the first edition but it's a paperback. A, it's a, uh, what is close. It? Yeah, it's, a, it's an early edition. This is. Uh, people know this book, all right? This is the greatest comic novel ever written. I think that my listenership probably knows it. You know, and they've been trying to make this into a movie ever since it came out. Yeah, Terry Gilliam, I think, was yeah. trying to. And you know, I I don't know who would be great for that character right now. I forget somebody there was someone who wanted to play it, but you know, I have Will I, Sasso. <laughs> That's true. Guy yeah. Branham. Guy Branham would be amazing. <laughs> Guy Branham. Yeah. Would be amazing as you know. Ignatius P. Riley. Or what about yeah, uh, C. Riley? J. 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 Riley. 
Because it's a book about, written by a man, one book. And then he committed suicide, and his mother, right, mm-hmm. took the pages and took it to a publisher and got it published. What do you think of that book? I love it. I mean, it's, it's changed. Hilarious. I, mean, I, I think that it's almost like a negative that I read it because I think that there's a personality type that reads the book and then yes. adopts uh, elements of the Ignatius J. Riley approach to life, where you're just sort of, or it makes sense how you are when you read it a bit. Yeah. You're like, rage well, I bumble through, yeah. and I rage, and I've given, got my own reasons for doing this odd thing. And Remember when he stands up on the table and he it doesn't need to try to start a union for the black workers? <laughs> <laughs> and the queen that runs the hot dog cart? It's so funny. Yeah. What's the name of... Minka? What's the name of the woman that he's in love with? The dog? Minka? Does it say on the back? He's in love with like a really dark... There she is, Minka. Yeah, Minka. Great cover. It's It's the funniest Book. Yeah, it's, I thought I, I, I'm mad. getting rid of my books, and I was about to sell that, but I might not. Sell Do it. not sell this. Have you ever seen this movie, Scott? Screwballs. Yeah. It's a teen sex comedy from the 1980s. Part of the uh, tax shelter. Peter Callahan. Callahan. Who's that? Canadian star Peter Callahan. I didn't realize that guy was a big star. Yes, he Did is. you know him? I do. It's a friend of yours. Yes. Wow. Well, he was very randy in this movie. Oh, I had no idea. Lots this is during the days of the tax shelters. Yes. Like, like Porky's. And this is the days of like 40-year-olds playing yeah. high school students. The, when they were making things like Black Christmas. Yes. The Bob that's Clark. That's a classic. That is a classic. That's a, cl- a classic. I haven't seen it either. The Bob Clark years. Yeah. Uh, I'll read you this. Score one for the home team. It's 1965. And the Randy students of good old Taft and Adams High School. TNA for short are whipping themselves into a frenzy over the impending homecoming ga- game. <laughs> Everyone except five boys slapped with attention through the meddlesome efforts of TNA's beautiful but uptight homecoming queen, Purity Bush. Oh man, that's hilarious. But they'll have their revenge, and at the virtuous version's expense, that revenge is going to be sweet. This was a weird thing about 80s movies where they were like really skirting legal lines. And They're plots. very rapey. Yeah. Maybe the kids in your high school were a little crazy, but these guys in screwballs are absolutely wild. From a strip bowling contest to hypnotizing the girls' swim team to spiking the PTA punch bowl with an That was in every movie, spiking the punch bowl. They're definitely out of control. Even in their quieter moments during study hall or relaxing at the beach, they bring a new and incredible meaning to the expression, gross me out. Wow. You sure couldn't make that today. No. This was written by... A woman and a, uh, a male. When, right. Different time. After, listen to this. After the enormous success of Porky's in 82, writers Linda Shane and Jim Wynorski, guided by their mentor Roger Corman, oh. und- undertook to undertake, undertook to overtake that blockbuster in sheer outrageousness and definitely succeeded. Like the screwballs themselves, Corman is also... Why are they writing on Roger Corman? Yeah. But screwballs wins hands down the prize for most totally awesome, raucously raunchy comedy of the year. So was it after Porky's? Yes, uh, absolutely. It was after Porky's and after Animal House, and it's an amalgam of both of those movies. And uh, it's actually... I loved it at the time. It's certainly one of the most... Uh, well-aged of these TNA teen movies. From Have you watched 80s. Porky's? Uh, yeah, but Recently? Porky's is kind of sinister. It is sinister. Yeah. Porky's is almost more of a drama than a comedy. Yeah, there's a, a real, there's a real, it is a little sinister, yeah. Um, got anything more to say about that? No. Not really? No, I don't know it, I've never yeah. seen it. So this is the Steve Martin oh, book, yeah. Born Standing Up. Did mm-hmm. you read this yeah. one? When I was when I was young, yes I did. 
but when you were getting I, into doing stand-up, this is not Cruel Shoes. No, no, this, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I did not read this. Yeah. I read Cruel Shoes. This is the one about his uh, experience no. getting into stand-up comedy, and it's no. kind of almost viewed as a Bible of uh, what that's like. Well, I should read this. Yeah. Now, Cruel Shoes, I remember at the time, th and also Woody Allen's book, Beyond Feathers. Yeah, no, uh, Horse, not Horse Feathers, horse? Without Feathers. There was, yeah. Without there Feathers. Was there wasn't there? Is there one called Beyond Feathers? No, maybe I it's just Without Feathers. Without Feathers. I remember thinking they were really funny, but also thinking they were really light. Yes. Like, like, like going, how lazy. Yeah. They'd have like three words on one page. I remember right. very going like, going, <laughs> they should have written more. Because I was such a scholarly kid. Like yeah. I was a kid that was totally immersed in literature. Yeah. So I really thought like, ah, they pulled a fast one. Right. That's not a real You wanted book. sort of the explanation. I wanted of, that. Yeah. That's yeah. what I wanted. Wordy and... So first, like Norm Macdonald's book, like a real I haven't read comic that yet, Another I can't high. Wait. <laughs> high. But I, I assume it's funny as hell. You said and Norm every time you, you see him, he always asks you about gay stuff. He does. Yeah. Norm is more obsessed with my sex life than I am. <laughs> Norm is just obsessed with gay sex. Yeah. I don't know what it means. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. You have to ask him. Yeah. His Netflix yeah. show is good, though. Eh? Have you watched it? It's a car wreck, but I like car wrecks. <laughs> I do, too. Yeah. Maybe that's why I like yeah. it. I'll lend you this copy if you'd like. No, you don't have to. But okay. I, you have definitely um, hooked me on this one. And the one I'm really excited about is this, the Denise Benson one. Here's one. We're almost at the end, don't worry. Um, this is one that might... Uh, this actually reminds me of Boy in the oh, Straight yeah. Pajamas. Mouse. Yeah. Mouse, yeah. Mouse by Art Spiegelman. Mm -hmm. uh, I just thought, you know, I'd, I'd show that to you because that... You know, that's something that's kind of in keeping with your uh, humor, even though it's not a humorous book. And, and um, you know, it is a, it's, a, it's a book that... Uh, as much as it's about World War II, it's also about a man's relationship with his father, you know, and uh, and that's kind of forgotten sometimes. In, that's true. In, in, you know, I gave this to my father um, uh -huh. one Christmas. He said to me, he goes, you know, I've been reading all about these graphic novels. What the <laughs> heck's that? And I said, well, you know, it's like a, like a long form. Uh, Dad, it's a pretentious comic. He said, I don't really understand that. So for Christmas, I got him Mouse. He did not like it. <laughs> I remember I got a Mouse. And then um, he did not like it. He, he just didn't, didn't understand. No, he didn't understand it. He just thought it's a comic. He didn't like it. It's. I mean, it's pretty awesome. It is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. And the final thing. I remember you told me you hated Dungeons and Dragons, right? I don't know it. Well, this is the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Second Edition Monstrous Compendium, mm -mm. part for, of the Flanagan. I collection. think I'm just too old. I think I. I just. It's full of monsters. About, I mean. I could have gotten into it at the beginning, but I never really did, even though I'm a complete nerd and I love monsters and, and I love... Uh, my friend Robin is into all this Bay stuff. Here. So you were a super Dungeons and Dragons, a D&D &D guy. Yeah, yeah, Beholders, Beholderkin, turn you to stone, you know. See, I do like all this stuff, but I Tang probably... A Tangler, the Balabra. Wow. The art in this is so awesome. Well, now, what year would these be? Would this be? I would say it would range between 1989, because some of these are like additions. Yeah. yeah, that's why between 1989 and 1990. But when was the, when when was it invented? 1975. Then I could have been part yeah, of it. Yeah, but that was like you know traded between yeah. George R. R. Martin style nerds. You know the yeah. fanzine people. No. Look at this bunyip. Wow. This is what a bunyip looks like bunyip. according to. Dungeons and Dragons. And who wrote this? Like, who put this all together? Uh, well, the different monsters would be different writers, but it would be probably um, David Zeb Cook mm -hmm. and uh, 
Maybe Tracy Hickman. Gygax created a lot Ooh, of them. Gary Gygax. Yeah, Madar is hot. That's Madar. Madar. You know, and I'll just tell you a bit about Madar. Madar are the male counterparts to Medusa. Though they lack the petrifying gaze of the females, of course they do. It's like a Black Widow thing, right? Yeah. Um, the typical Madar is a muscular, hairless humanoid male. Dressed in a kilter and tunic. Usually dressed in a kilter and tunic. Right up my alley. Right up my alley. Madar attack with powerful fists that each cause 2d4 points of damage. Oh, yeah. oh but they can turn stone to flesh by touch. Ooh. Wait, they can turn stone to flesh? Why would you do that? So it's like if you've been turned to stone, can turn stone to flesh. Their habitat... Wouldn't that be the opposite? Wouldn't you want to turn flesh to stone? It provides meat for him and his mate. So they'll like be walking with their wife oh. and they'll see a bunch of rocks and they'll touch it. And then <laughs> eat it because they're hungry. Eat it. Okay. Why don't they just eat rocks? Yeah, exactly. And Glyptars are rock crystals animated by the spirits of Madar. When a Madar has foreknowledge of his death, he can transfer his life force into the rocks. Wow. An extremely evil Madar retains his consciousness as he drifts through the ground. So when such rules. a life force encounters gemstones such as feldspar, or am, you know feldspar? I do. Or amethyst. I was a rock and mineral hand. <laughs> I had a rock. I was in a rock and mineral club. Eventually, the Madar goes mad. Of course, they do. Well, yeah, I don't know. We could go on for days with these monsters. Here's a vampire, really shitty vampire drawing. I don't know why the vampire looks That's like it's. Burt Reynolds, like, uh, combined with a villain from the 1930s movie. Burt Reynolds was the greatest. R.I.P. Burt Reynolds. I love Burt Reynolds. Umber Hulk, that's one of the good ones. Umber Hulk. You played all this stuff. I did, I loved it. Do you still play this? No, I'm trying to sell this stuff. This would be worth something. Yeah, it is. That's worth something. Yeah. But I mean, you I mean, know. The first edition of Ferris Dunces is worth a lot. But that's not a first edition. No, that's not. Yeah, but, uh,. You know, I'm selling these, but I'm also like sort of attached to them. You know that weird combination. Is it for money? You need money, obviously. <laughs> I, mean. I need money, obviously. I do, but uh, it's for space as well, mm -hmm. and I think it's also for mental space in a weird mm -hmm. way. You know, you get rid of that stuff, you have sort of a rejuvenated approach to. Because I collect books. I mean, I, I that's you what do. I collect. I collect yeah. yeah. First edition science fiction and fantasy. House. That's yeah. what I collect. I've got some Fafford and the Grey Mouser upstairs. Oh yeah, wow! You know, okay, I, I love that. Um, and then a bit old, later fantasy. You know, I love George R. R. Martin. I think he's one of the only people writing in the spirit of the 60s and 70s fantasy fiction. wait for the last book. Do you think he's going to get it out? He has two books that he has to write. I don't think two is... I don't think he can do two. Because it's taken like 11 years for one, and he's like 72. He and eats a lot of ribs. He's a big man. He eats ribs. He's definitely yeah. someone who's like, I'm successful, and I can... I want to enjoy myself yeah. in Santa Fe. You know? But he has to finish these books. For our sake. For our sake. Yeah. Because the show now is nowhere near as good as the books. No. It was as it good was. until about season four. Yeah. Season I four totally was the agree. last great season. Yeah. And now it's like, It's what? fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's I, I still fine. Love it. I love it. But it is not the it's books. It's not the books. No. Because people, you know, the Miranese not, you know, you got, you got the... Uh, what's it called? The secret plans of the Dornish people. Yeah. You got all kinds of stuff going on. And you have characters meeting that, yes, you might want them to meet in your life, but they shouldn't be meeting. Yeah. And they're from, anyway, we can't even get too deep, but uh, we're pretty much, did you run out? Not yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, Scott, I hate to cut it off so abruptly. Especially when we're talking about Game of Thrones. I know, we can do that later. But that was fun, thank you. I had a blast. Thank this you. was a big hang. We always have good gabs. This was a good hang. 
Yeah. We haven't had in Canada in a while. Oh, it's been years yeah. since we, we hung out in LA. We did. But not in Canada. And I hope we get to hang out more. Yeah. Well, I'm be I'll see you next week. week at the show. Yes. <laughs> I hope we get to hang out more. All right. Thank you very much. This has been uplifting for my spirit. How you put me back in my pod. Put you back in your pod? What do you call it when you bring people out once in a while? Oh, uh, on Earth? No, you said that you you asked you said Buddy was a lift or something. Oh, a lit, a lich, a lich. Uh, yes, now you can return to the crypt. My crypt. Yes. Uh, okay. Buddy goes back to the crypt. In the barrel mounds. In the barrel mounds. I like that. I don't know. The barrow mounds. Yes, from Lord of the Rings. Ooh, cool. The barrow mounds. Yeah, I was thinking about it as I was coming here, going. This is what came to my head. I really identify with Frodo. <laughs> Why? Because he has a burden. Oh. He has to like do. He has to live, you know. And it takes all away from him. He has to take this thing, and he has to go and and destroy it mm -hmm. for good. Mm -hmm. And I think about that with homophobia in a way in my life. Mm -hmm. I knew it had to be destroyed, and I wanted to be one of the people that helped destroy it. Mm -hmm. And but it takes a toll. Uh huh. And it's all also about being someone that people don't being underestimated. Yeah. That's what I think. I think you're underestimated. I think that's what it is about, like Frodo, that I love. Is that like, they, the you, uh, the hobbits? It's like they're underestimated. But I would say that as underestimated as you are, you have a lot of people's respect. And I know I'm respects just, can't buy I'm, you lunch. I'm, I'm very lucky. You're right. That's yeah. right. What my dad would say. That yeah, <laughs> respect doesn't buy me a bag of chips. I've got some respect, but you know. Yeah, you can't. You, you can't live on respect. Can't live on respect. No, as I said, we're well, not made ours. We can't turn respect I, into flesh. I want to get flesh. wealthy. I want you to be wealthy. I do too. want to be wealthy. Now. And then I want to be in your wealth. I want to be wealthy. All right, guys. Well, wealth, health, and happiness. <laughs> yeah. Get a jade plant. That's what you do. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for listening. That was my interview with Scott. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. Again, be sure to check out Not a Fan, Scott's comedy album. You can find that on Spotify, everywhere comedy albums can be found. I loved talking to the guy. I really think we're lucky to have him in comedy. He says he gets challenging. He gets tricky. But, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much all love. Did you notice that? It's all love. Um, and we've all been through a lot. <laughs> and most of us have a right to express ourselves. <laughs> I only say most because... Uh, don't even worry about it. I'm very tired. And, yeah, be sure to check out Buddy Babylon, Scott's book, my album, Wiped Privilege, and please keep listening to the podcast if you're listening to this for the first time. Um, I'm, I'm really trying to amp it up uh, over the last while, and, and I hope people have been enjoying that. Um, yeah, we're at Nick Flan Weekly on Twitter, Nick Flanagan Weekly on Instagram. You can hear us on a lot of different platforms so you know spread the word give me a hug next time you see me but ask first thanks <laughs>